Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. We have got a killer episode for us today. It's Tom Bonetto, the lending coach who works in Arizona and California. He's going to talk about his brand, his experience as a mortgage lender, but also some great insights on investing in real estate. So join us for Mosaic, the stories of real estate. Welcome to another episode of Mosaic, the stories of real estate. This is Mike Nelson, CEO of Efficient Lending. We're a mortgage company uh, located in beautiful Waco, Texas. As always, I'm on the uh, 21st floor of the beautiful Alico building in Waco, and I love the view up here. I get to look down at the Dr. Pepper Museum and the silos, and I I was thinking as I was coming in today... um, the Silos is awesome. So if you are listening and you want the world's greatest cupcake, you got to go to Silos Bakery because it's ridiculously good. And then um, one of my favorite, so so Waco's a coffee town, believe it or not. And that's probably because it's really got more of a kind of coffee shop vibe than it does uh, a bar vibe just because of Baylor being a Baptist university. But hot tip, get your coffee at Fable Bookstore. It is really good coffee and it's uh, a great bookstore. So Good place to go. Hey, I always say this at the beginning of my episodes. I am super excited today. I've got one of my actually longest friends in the in in my life. Tom Bonetto is uh, joining us, and this will be the first episode in which we have another lender, uh, somebody who works in the mortgage lending space. And Tom has got a great story. Um, I'll let him explain it. Obviously, his brand and what he does, and and where he works. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to, A, just hanging out and chatting with my friend. It's been a while since uh, he and I talked. He was on vacation uh, fishing in the beautiful Sierras uh, a couple weeks ago. But Tom, say hello and uh, tell us who you are and where you work. And Tom, we got to make the regulators happy. So make sure you say your NMLS number here somewhere up front, too. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. So it's Tom Bonetto, the lending coach, NMLS one four three one nine six one. So we can get that out of the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that nastiness is done. <laughs> I'm talking with you today from Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. where it's a beautiful, like ninety degrees, oh. and it sounds crazy. It's not that hot. It's just kind of perfect. Um, although I'm, I do a lot of work in uh, in California as well. I grew up in Big Bear Lake, and uh, do a lot of uh, business up there. So I'm licensed in California and Arizona. 
but I did hear you talk about the Dr. Pepper Museum in Waco, and I did go when we were in Waco the last time. Wait, did, I did not know that existed, and it was very cool. Yeah, it's a it's a birthplace of Dr. Pepper. Obviously, did you actually? Take, yeah. Are are you one of the people that took the tour, or did you just go and get the uh, the soda fountain, the Dr. Pepper out of the soda jar? No, no, no. We went in the museum and like nice. toured around the place, man. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's totally fun. I I love the Dr. Pepper Museum. So so Tom, I, I said you one of my longest friends in in my life. Where did you and I meet? And can you remember way back then? Yeah, we had to have met in Occidental College somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where we met in Occidental. I think it was in um, Haynes Dorm, I'll, wasn't it? It might have been yeah. either yeah, either at Haynes or um what was that coffee shop that they had? It uh oh, the, at Oxy. Yeah, the Sidetrack Cafe. There. Yeah, I managed the Sidetrack Cafe. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was either one of those two places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Long time ago, man. Yeah. So uh, Tom and I have <laughs> known really each other time. since 1986. Uh, we were both in each other's oh, weddings. I, I, yeah. I got to interrupt, though. Yeah. The, the funniest part about us, right, is that we had the same pediatricians growing up and didn't know. <laughs> hey, there, there's Think about in, that. There's dude. information everybody wants to know. <laughs> Right, Funny. we had the same pediatrician. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so obviously, you're a uh, you're in mortgage lending now, but you didn't yeah. start in mortgage lending. You start. You no. and I have similar backgrounds, and we got into this business yeah. at a similar time. Kind of walk right. walk me through your your corporate experience and yeah. um, how that plays into what you're doing now. Do, do you like what you're doing now more than you liked your corporate world? And I mean, kind of walk, walk me through the reader's digest version of that. I clearly like what I'm doing now uh, much more than anything I've ever done. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Um, you know, I'm not really sure say that. So that's neat. Um, but I started off at the Xerox Corporation right out of college, yep. honestly. was One of my baseball coaches recommended that I check out Xerox and interviewed and ended up getting the job. And, you know, I came from a background that was not business-related at all. Both my parents were teachers. Um, so this was kind of a new deal. And I was naive enough just to essentially say, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. And I did that. And Xerox's training program was like the best in the world. So I just did what they told me to do, and it really worked out. Um, you know, I was I was selling copiers and uh, fax machines and all sorts of things like that. Um, they put me in a real good position where I was dealing with with uh, public schools, so I knew that environment real well, and it just kind of seemed to work. They paid for my MBA, which was great. Yep, we did that together, as, you, as I'm sure you remember. Yep, yeah. Um, and then, really, I left Xerox to get into the um, uh, technology world, the computer consulting world, and, and uh, ran a branch um, of uh, technical staffers for a while. Um, that seemed to tank after you know, in the early 2000s, and then went to work for a, a small, privately held company in, um, in Orange County called the Knox Company, and helped them build out their sales team. That's what they wanted to do was grow. Um, so I, that was one of the things that I specialized in was hiring and um, training salespeople, and we essentially tripled the size of that firm in about six years. Yeah, so you, that was really cool. You know, it's interesting. You you bring up Xerox. So I, I started, uh, I had a couple jobs out of college, and I too worked for Xerox for a while. And that doesn't. It's so funny because in 2023, saying you worked for Xerox, 
people who listen to this, it just doesn't resonate and people aren't going to understand. Oh, yeah. But back in the day, in the late yep. 80s, early 90s, Xerox Corporation right. was widely thought to be the greatest sales and sales development and training organization really in the world. In fact, they were winning awards right. for it. And yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I've often thought that my training at Xerox, learning how to, to walk into a building and sell a copier, uh, has boded very well for you know my entrepreneurial experience, and then now in the business I'm, I'm working out. I'm sure you think the same, if I was guessing. Oh, for sure. Well, and and you know, I guess yeah, people wouldn't really remember that the, the two best organizations to join in the early '90s it was either IBM or Xerox. Yep, it was. That was. I mean, those were the two top tier firms at the time. And like I mentioned, if you their their training was so good, if you just did what they told you to do, you'd win. You'd win. I mean, it, don't go out on don't go out on your own. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just do this. And I said, okay. And man, it totally worked. And it really sets it set me up for everything that I've done since, um, because of the sales process and the follow up and, um, you know, all of those things that they taught. Yeah, that, there's no there's no question that's that's true. So you get through that that corporate experience. So so why did you get into lending, and how long ago was it? And and kind of as you tell us about that, I love your brand, the Lending Coach. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of walk me through what the Lending Coach is because it's it's a lot more than just coaching, you know, people who want to buy a mortgage. That's not really. Right. what your brand or your brand promise is. And that's not who you are as a person. So right. you know, it, as we talk about kind of this mosaic and the stories of real estate, um, you know, what the, the, the kind of idea behind my podcast was to get away from this idea that buying a house is a single point in time. The stories of the people who are in this business and what their passion is and how they work and how they apply things like learning how to work at Xerox when you're doing lending and, you know, in 2023. Yeah. So kind of walk me through your brand and how did you get into mortgage lending and, and how did you approach the lending coach and what does it mean? Well, I, I mean, I got into lending about eight years ago and it was because the, a number of the firms that I had joined sort of changed direction. I was building a sales team for them and then they said, okay, thank you very much. And you built the team and, time for you to go now. And I realized, well, that's not good. This isn't going to work. So um, you had gotten in mortgage business and recommended that I take a look at it. And I really did. I took a long, hard look at it. And I found that my skill set and my uh, the things that I'd done in the past would play really well into this. And what I, what I really wanted to do was just be different. And I wanted to stand out from the crowd and be not just your average everyday lender, transactional lender, because that's not my jam. That's not what I'm about. Yep. And I'm a baseball guy by nature. And so I created an amalgam of both baseball and mortgage lending and called myself yeah. the yeah, lending just, coach. Just so everybody knows, he'll never say this, but he, he's a baseball guy. Yeah, he was a Division three All-American baseball guy. So I'll just get that out there just to give you some – some credibility, and, and I'm sure you're mad at me for saying that, but keep going. Yeah, that was, unne that was unnecessary, but yeah. I also do a lot of coaching of baseball here in Phoenix, and I've done that for, through my kids and even after they graduated, um, both at the high school level and at the, at the older club baseball level. So, um, you know, really teaching people how to do things and helping people along the way is just kind of what I do, 
And I absolutely apply it to the lending process, really. Uh, and I deal with a lot of first-time home buyers, and I deal with a lot of investors. And many of these investors are first-time folks, and I can really help them understand why or why not a particular purchase may be in their best interest. Um, and I'm looking to build client base over time, not to do individual one-on-one transactions. So, you know, I'm actually kind of looking at all the different um, folks that I've done business with, and at least half I've done two or more transactions with over the course of these eight years. Yeah, that and that's a big number. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so explore that for me a little bit. So when you say you've done two or more transactions, um, but, you know, a big chunk of your business is investment properties, uh, if I understand right. correctly, in Big Bear. But then obviously yep. you're in Arizona as well. In, in, right. I do in both. Exactly. So when you're working yeah. with the, when you're working with these people who are doing multiple transactions, what, what's kind of their story? Are, are these people move up purchase? Are these people diversifying and building gener- generational wealth by getting into investment properties? What, what does that customer mix look like? And and how are those yeah. how are you working those people through? You know, because when you started the market in 2000 or eight years ago, whatever that was, interest rates were, you know, below four, sometimes below three. Now we're, you know, in sevens and eights. So compare and contrast. What are you doing with your customers? How are you working them through? Kind of walk through that Mm -hmm. process for me a little bit. Well, I have two specific types of clients on the investment side. I've got ones that are buying single family residences to use as Airbnbs, and that's mostly in the Big Bear Lake area. A lot of these folks haven't done an investment property purchase before, and, and, and so I help them that way. And then I do have others that are buying multi-unit properties and have you know, four or five or six of them, in some cases even ten, and I can I, so real quick you know, ex- explain do those explain to everybody what a multi-unit property is because th- that that, yeah. because in residential um, real estate and commercial real estate there's differences. So when you say multi-unit property, what what do you what do you mean by that? So if there are anywhere from two units to four units would be considered a residential multi-unit property. So it's not a single-family home. So it's either a duplex, a triplex, or a quad, and you know, investors buy those for their return, right? They're, you know, they're going to either fix them up, um, you know, maybe increase the rent a little bit, and then they're going to own that property for, in most cases, the, the majority of the people that I deal with are buy and hold type of investors. So they're going to, they're planning on holding it for 10 years, and they're going to, they're going to reap the rewards of the rent that they receive, as well as the appreciation over that 10 years. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And so whether it's, you know, single family or multi-unit, when you're, so I want to connect this back to the lending coach because the fact fact that you're working with these buyers, these people, and and I think if I heard you correctly, you mentioned most of them have never purchased an investment property before. Uh, Right. Clearly, you're doing some level of coaching, some level of education. Yeah. And if you do the right. math, they're buying a house as an investment property when interest rates are low, and now they're buying properties when interest rates are high. And so mm-hmm. clearly the stories of these people 
kind of what's their motivation? Are they trying to build generational wealth? Are they trying to build legacy? Are they stumbling into it? Are they starting out intentionally? Yeah. Do they already know what they're doing before they get there. Kind of what do these people right. look like and what's their story? What's their background? So let's use the Big Bear example to begin with, and that's generally going to be a single family residence that they're going to use as a second home, potentially, or a combination of second home and Airbnb. And that's really kind of what happens, is that they're going to probably use that property in Big Bear that they buy for a couple, three weeks out of the year, but they're going to Airbnb it the rest of the time. And that was a giant deal starting in you know 2020 in particular. Where after during COVID, Big Bear Lake was the number one Airbnb destination in the world. That's amazing. Think about that. Yeah, it's amazing. crazy. Yeah. But when but when you think there are ten million people, literally there are ten million people within two hours of Big Bear. Yeah. Where else are they going to go? So, so everybody was going up to the mountain. Where is Big Bear? To kind of identify where Big Bear, California, sure. is for uh, everybody. Big Bear Lake, California, is one hundred miles due east of Los Angeles. It's in the San Bernardino Mountains. It's at uh, it's at uh, Mile High City. It's uh, got a beautiful lake. It's got a couple of different ski resorts there. Um, so it's truly a four-season resort. And it's, it's a two-hour drive from L.A. It's paradise. That's what makes it really neat. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. It is a yeah. – you literally drive to Big Bear, California, and – like Tom says, you're, you're two hours out and you literally have shut the door on the city and you are just in this beautiful alpine paradise. It's, yeah. just, it's a wonderful, wonderful community. There's, there's no question that's true. Um, so would you say most of the people you're working with, do they really understand the concepts of generational wealth and legacy? What's their story? Do, do they get that when you start working no. or are they stumbling onto it? They're, they're really thinking about it as, hey, you know what? I have a little bit of extra money. I spend a lot of time in Big Bear. I'm kind of tired of paying for somebody else's rental property. Why don't I get one of my own? That's really the impetus that the majority of Big Bear buyers do. Now, there are, of course, there are some, and I've got maybe a quarter of them, buy multiple units, and they're thinking about it as generational wealth, no doubt. But um, the majority of them actually are looking. To, uh, they've got some extra money. They want a place to stay, and they know they can't use it all the time, so they'll Airbnb it the rest of the time. Interesting. Now, are, are most people happy? Do they think they've when they get into it? You know, let's say they've been in, and they've done this for two or three years. Are they coming yeah. back to you saying, "Oh yeah, I'm really good at it. I didn't have any hiccups." Or are they learning along the way? What, what's their experience like as they go through becoming a real estate investor? You know, the majority of them actually do very well. Um, I would only say a handful of transactions that I've done have those properties been sold. Oh, and you can kind of tell, you know, I think you can tell that way, right? I mean, I, really, maybe, I don't know, not even a dozen over the last four years that they that they purchased and then had to sell because it didn't work out. So most of these folks have kept them. That's interesting. Now, are they looking at other communities in the United States or are they – are they breaking no, in? So not generally. They're staying right in Not Bay. generally. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So they live in L.A. or, you know, somewhere in the Southern California area, um, some from San Diego and, you know, that sort of thing. 
um, but they've got a place up there. And some of them, honestly, turn out that they become their primary residence. They end up moving into it because they like it up there so much. And so, I've had a handful of folks that have done that too. And so they do, do they depart their existing primary residence or do they rent that one? Oh, and then they rent it out. They rent it out. Yeah. They'll rent it out. Yeah. Yep. So there's your, yeah. there's your legacy and there's your kind of growth over time. Uh, interesting. Yep. So, so are you, you kind of, you know, not, not that age, age matters, do you, but do, do you see, a, is it mostly people who are further along in their careers that are getting into it? Or are you seeing the young millennials, younger, younger people getting into the investment where, how does that, how does that naturally play out? There has not been an age um, issue at all, all walks of life and all ages, yeah, honestly, interesting. from folks in their, folks in their late twenties to folks in their seventies. Really? Yeah. There hasn't been a, there hasn't been a notable noticeable age. A lot of folks really have uh, they own their home, um, and they say, hey, you know, I think we can afford another place, and I think we can rent it out too. We, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, for them. yeah. So what, what's happening right now, and I'm, I know you're going to agree with me on this, but what's happening right now is is what people don't understand is that there is so much equity in homes in the United States right now yeah. because rates were so low for so long. So oh, people yeah. are sitting on top of tremendous wealth. Um, yeah. and, it, and it spans all, all ages and demographics because it doesn't matter yeah. if you got, you know, if it's a first time home, you know, you can lever that. It doesn't matter if you own a <laughs> you know, multi-million dollar home. And right. And the story you hear in the media is just doom and gloom right now, and it's terrible. I think it's the opposite. I think there's enormous opportunity in this marketplace right now because people can leverage the investment that they've made, whether yeah. it be primary residence or other or other units. So, No, it's true. Well, yeah. equity doesn't discriminate, right? Yeah, I mean, you either correct. have it or you don't. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're, you're totally right. So. So when, you know, so when you first meet somebody, you know, let's say I'm, I'm calling you up and, you know, hey, Tom, you're the yeah. lending coach. I want to get into into Big Bear, California or one of the beautiful communities in Arizona. Um, right. Where do you like to start the conversation and what advice are you generally giving to people up front who are navigating kind of this idea of generational wealth? Well, the first question, I, I really want to get to know my clients and kind of what makes them tick, why they're doing something. And really, I'm going to ask them. Tell me what you're trying to accomplish, and how can I help you? And that's how I kind of lead the conversation. Um, or they'll really kind of lead me, and I'll just ask questions along the way. Um, but I really want to know what, you know, what makes them tick, what their long-term goals are, um, and that's and then I can actually be much more helpful in identifying how to do things, particular loan products. Um, and then I'll have them literally. I'll just have them fill out a loan application, and then we'll talk at length about that to say, okay, these these are the answers that you, the answers to your questions here. Um, tell me what this means long term, and you know, is this something you want to move forward with or not? So are are you finding that most of the people have? So everybody has perceptions, right? And you always hear the phrase, you know, real, perceptions reality or whatever it is. Right. Are, are people understanding? Uh, right now, what's going on in the market, or are, are people to have misplaced fears? What 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 does that well, look like? I think that, Go ahead. Sorry. I I think no. I think that's I think that's actually the hundred thousand dollar question, yeah. and I don't think people have a real great idea of what's happening, because I'm getting a lot of clients that'll call me and saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to wait for the market to come down 
right? Prices have got to come down, right? And I will, you know, politely disagree with them to say, no, I, I don't see that happening, specifically here in Arizona, um, because we don't have enough houses for people to want to move here. Yep. So supply and demand is really what needs to be understood. And I'll have that conversation with my clients. And honestly, too, people are very afraid of interest rates. And it's understandable because, you know, all of a sudden, instead of paying, you know, $2,000 a month for a property, you could be paying $3,000 a month for a property. And that's kind of a big deal. Yep. I get that. Yep. But my question is going to be, how long are you planning on holding the property? I mean, if you're looking to do a flip, you know, okay, you can do that. But if you're looking to hold it for two or three years, yeah, this may not be the best environment for you. But if you're looking to hold it past that, who cares what the interest rate is, to be perfectly honest with you. You, you know, most folks refinance out of their home, out of their loans in seven years anyway. Um, and if you hold on to it for that long, any appreciation you know, even at 5% a year, you're going to get some sort of like a 30 or 40% return on your investment. So you, you, you have to understand, or at least I want to get to understand what the goals of my clients are to be able to you know steer them in the right direction. I, I hope that makes sense. It does. And you tap into something that's really, really important. And it's something that I really dislike about the, the mortgage industry is, you know, what what the mortgage industry, the lenders and, and brokers, what we all know is that it, it is nearly a statistical certainty that any mortgage you have will be refinanced by years eight, nine, or 10. Virtually, right. it, it's not 100%, but the number of right. loans that make it to years eight, nine, and 10, it's nearly zero. And so right. the way our industry works is we put you know the fear of interest rates through our advertising and marketing to everybody and the truth of the matter if you know how to handle math and a mortgage you're going to realize the interest rate is not the biggest impact on cost it's not right it's how long right. you own, hold it's, the property and it's how much money yep. you put down that's what it is yep it's a factor it, the interest rate is an absolute factor but it's not the deciding one right i and don't it, think and it's important it is important for sure it I don't is wanna, it's absolutely yeah, important i don't want to diminish that sure but your your point is correct, is that when you're working with people, you have to understand, you know, what are you doing with this property? How long are you holding it? How does it look like through time as it relates to your personal goals, right. your family goals, whatever else you're thinking well, about doing? Fortunately, I mean, I've got, I've actually got reports that I can produce for my clients to show, hey, this is what you can expect as an average rate of appreciation. This is what you can expect as um, increase in rents. And here's what a eight to ten year hold looks like as far as return on investment. Yeah. So, and I can provide that's something that I would provide my client to help them understand. Yes, this is either a good look or no, this isn't something I want to do. And that's fair too, right? I mean, you could think, hey, this looks really great, and then you run the numbers and you go, no, that's not going to make it work for me. Yeah. But so out of but interest, I, at least I'm able to do that together. Where are you getting those reports from? Is that MBS Highway or where? where is from that, MBS Highway. Yeah. Yeah. From MBS Highway. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and I'll tell everybody right now. So MBS Highway, um, Barry Habib, um, part of Mosaic in my podcast is every Tuesday, uh, I'll be dropping just a very short weekly market update. Uh, it's going to be kind of the Mosaic uh, market weekly update. And my data source is MBS Highway. I, I won't get too lost on who that organization is. But Barry Habib is 
is known as the the quintessential or the de facto expert on mortgage and mortgage financing and real estate in the United States. So just Google Barry Habib and you can, you know, if you're listening and you want to get a good data source. I also send out a, uh, a, a weekly newsletter based on his content. It's called Road Signs. So you can check in the description for that information. But guys like Tom and me rely on Barry Habib and MBS Highway just every day. I mean, it's, you, you, look, day, at, you sure. look at it every day, I assume. I do. So, so let me, t- let's talk about kind of the lending coach and, and uh, how you're building your business. Um, ha- ha- has your brand and your marketing approach changed since when you started just because we're in a different market or you stay on the course kind of, kind of talk about your yeah. story and, and what you're thinking about, you know, as you want to grow, continue to grow your business. Well, I, I'm pretty much a blocking and tackling guy, yeah. and I'm kind of the stay-the-course sort of person. And, and I, the reason that I do that is uh, I just haven't changed, and my business model and my advice hasn't changed over time. And I really – I have two sides to what I do of my marketing side. One is to buyers and investors, and the other is to real estate agents. And I provide content through my website at LendingCoach.net on my blog every week, essentially. Um, and so I send out an email to all of the real estate agents that I have in, in my database and have contacted with information that they can share with their clients that would help them. I also have stuff that I give out once a month to my clients. Um, talking about market conditioning, market conditions, excuse me, and those sorts of things, as well as a baseball-related article or two. Um, but I and I do that once a month, and I have I've done that religiously for eight years, and that hasn't changed. So, um, and the topics that I talk about, though, they may have changed. Some different mortgage programs and what's happening in the market and forecasting and that sort of thing. I'll do that, but um, generally, I, I you know I deal with the similar set of real estate agents um, and provide my customers and clients with content that's relevant to them and what's happening in the marketplace. Yeah. So do, do you look at yourself as more as a mortgage financer or more as a customer service, service related marketing company? I think more of a, a more of a mortgage finance person because I try to be an industry expert on what's happening in the market. Yeah. Now, on from a customer service side, yes, I will help you and service, you know, get the right loan product and help you close the transaction. But I really see myself as more of a, um, you know, an educational provider, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I would and I would classify that more on the finance side, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love your brand. I love the lending coach. Just I mean, I've known you forever and, and I just see how it plays out. And, and whenever we. Uh, what, what the people don't know is this kind of conversation that we're recording right now is could be any phone call you and I have as we as we go through our <laughs> That's true. That, that's probably an illness <laughs> we have. So as, as we kind of, as, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I like to end with this kind of a similar question: if if you're a buyer seller or if you're somebody listening who's thinking about becoming a, a mortgage uh, lender or a real estate agent, just just as we navigate these these waters. What is the kind of one nugget of wisdom you would give to somebody uh, in this industry looking to buy a house or, you know, whatever it is, just what's that pearl of wisdom that you have? 
for people out there? I think, oh, man, that's, that's a tough question. I feel like I'm being put on the spot. You are being so, put on the spot. You know, that's the whole I, point. That's that's why I didn't tell you I was going to ask it. Because if I if I give you if, um, if I give you a week to prepare for it, then then I get right, some I can, I can Nobody wants that. Right. I think there's two things. I think there's two things. I, I said think one, first, but I'll give you two. You, no, I'm going with two. First, okay. if you're going to be an investor or buy a house, you have to be prepared for what that entails. Right. You're not renting anymore. Stuff isn't going to get done for you. Um, there's maintenance. There's stuff that you have to do to keep your house in the state of repair. So it is. So there's that. Secondly, and I think more importantly, you have to take the long view, right? Because real estate is the single best way to build wealth. Yep. And if you buy and hold properties, you're going to see appreciation rates from anywhere from. 1% on the low end to 15% on the high end with maybe a negative two built in every 15 or 20 years because, you know, the real estate market truly doesn't ever go negative for a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just the best way to build wealth. And if you have the stomach for it and can wait it out, I think it's for you. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. So, Hey, listen, uh, you've given me a ton of your time today. I always appreciate it. Just uh, as we close out, give us, uh, give us your name, your contact information again, just so people can uh, connect with you in California and Arizona. Uh, and, Not a problem. Uh, yeah, so, so give it to us. All right, so it's Tom Bonetto, the Lending Coach, and I can be emailed at tom at lendingcoach.net. Phone number in Arizona is 480-788-2658. In California, it's 909-375-3319. And you can see all about me and what I do at my at my site at LendingCoach.net. If you Google me, uh, Tom Bonetto Lending Coach, I'll come up first thing, and you can just click and follow from there. All right, man. Hey, it's great catching up with you. And uh, I will, Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you soon, and you'll, you'll be back with us before too long, too. I look forward to it, Mike. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And a big thank you, as always, to Rogue Media Network and their support of this podcast. They're so appreciated. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm the CEO of Efficient Lending Incorporated, a mortgage company located in Colorado, Texas, and Florida. You can reach us at YouTube at Efficient Lending or on Facebook at Efficient Lending. And of course, I always love a phone call at 720-419-3016. Email works as well at mike at efficientlending.net. Efficient Lending Incorporated, NMLS 1876539. And my individual NMLS number is 1314188. As always, thanks for listening to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And we look forward to connecting with you again on a future episode. This has been a Rogue Media Network 